Time for our series on New Zealand's sporting history to continue. Today we go back to Amsterdam 1998 where history was made by names like Vanessa Coots, Melody Robinson and of course Farah Palmer. The Black Ferns won their first Rugby World Cup which kicked off their international rugby record the best of any team in the world, male or female. And Dame Farah Palmer, captained the team to victory in 1998 and joins me now. Hello. Kia ora. Kia ora. How lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, any any chance to reminisce? I'm getting to that age where reminiscing is lots of fun. <laughs> me too. And I was reminiscing how when I used to play rugby in Hamilton, the team from Pew Pew were always the hardest to beat. They were so good. And that's where you're from. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they bring them tough uh, in the <laughs> country. But yeah, no, that's that's my hometown, and my dad still lives in Pukyo as well. Yeah, though probably not much opportunity for you to play rugby growing up. Is that fair? Yeah, look, I didn't even know that uh, girls or women could mm. play rugby. It literally was uh, netball for the for the girls, rugby for the boys. I think we may have had one soccer team and uh, the ones that came from the rural primary schools played hockey. So, yeah, (laughs) very few choices. But, hey, we had lots of other choices in that small town and and Highland dancing, we had a swimming club, we had a lot of track, so we had lots going on. Uh, Highland dancing for a... Yeah, Highland dancing. And uh, uh, for some reason we had a Highland dancing teacher, so all of the... The young girls, I don't recall any boys doing it, but we had like tap dancing, Highland dancing, the jig. It was, yeah, lots of fun. Probably my first taste of competition, and I loved it. (laughs) Do you ever remember thinking, oi, why can't we play rugby too? No, honestly, I I didn't even think about it. It wasn't something that was on my radar. I do remember we had a... um, a very talented female cricket player and one of my mates, she was amazing and she couldn't play cricket with the boys. So I remember writing a letter to the school saying I didn't think it was fair that she couldn't play when she was probably better than many of the boys. Right. So the, I had that sense of injustice, but I just didn't, it didn't even, nobody even raised it that girls couldn't play rugby. Yeah. And, and did you enjoy watching rugby? Was, were you into the All Blacks, uh, that sort of thing? I was probably like loved sitting up watching the All Blacks with mum and dad. I, I I grew up around a rugby club. You know, it was my dad played rugby. My mum was a huge supporter of the local club, and I just used to hang around for the chips and lemonade. <laughs> um, but it was part of my growing up, so I just loved it. I had my twenty first year, so yeah, being in a rugby club was a big part of my upbringing. Yeah, cool. So so how did you come to the sport of rugby as a player? So I uh, went to Otago University and I think I was way out of my depth and feeling a bit like a duck out of water <laughs> and not sure where my family was. You know, I was looking for somewhere where I belonged and I saw these women playing rugby. They played rugby on a Sunday and I've, I tell this story a lot. I didn't see many brown faces in the lecture theatres, but I saw lots of brown faces on the rugby field. Yeah. And they looked like down-to-earth women having a laugh, giving it heaps. Uh, and I just thought, well, maybe this is this is something I could do. And so in that moment, I, I signed up. They had a, um, you know, open clubs day, and I signed up 
So, yeah, the rest is history. <laughs> Did you take to it straight away? I loved it. As soon as I got in there and got into my first kind of like ruck or at the bottom of a ruck and tackling someone and, you know, because I played netball, so you're not allowed to contact. You've got to stay within your zone. You're only yeah. allowed the ball for three seconds. Yeah. To playing a game where I could hold onto the ball for as long as I wanted, <laughs> I could smash into people and that was a good thing. I could run that, you know, I, I just thought this is amazing. I just felt so much freedom and um, just really, really found that this was the thing that I think I could carry on doing for a bit longer. And so were the black ferns a thing back then? Did you have this these in your sights that you might be looking to one day represent your country? Um I remember hearing about um, the New Zealand women's rugby team and I think in 94 they were intending to go to the World Cup. It wasn't an official sanctioned World Cup, but there were a lot of our club players that had made it into the New Zealand team. Cool. And then they then they were told that they weren't going. And I remember feeling the injustice of that. And there were, you know, Helen Littleworth was the captain at the time and she was a member of our club. Uh, in the end, so um, I just thought, wow, that's not fair. Um, so we didn't know about them, but we knew that they weren't they weren't going to the World Cup. Uh, and so, how did you end up joining the Black Ferns? Oh, someone must have seen something in me. I started playing at prop. Uh, don't ask me how, but they put me at prop, and I loved it in the front row. But they told me after a couple of seasons, I'm too small to play prop, so they. <laughs> Shifted me to hooker, and that seemed to suit me much better. I, um, you know, get to hang out on the wing every now and then. Uh, at the time, oh yeah, I, Sean Fitzpatrick style. <laughs> yeah, Sean Fitzpatrick, probably a bit like that, you know, and a bit lippy uh, and hardworking. So I think that kind of I just loved it. So I didn't ever have any aspirations to be a New Zealand player. I just wanted to be the best I could, and then I made the. I made the non-travelling reserves for the Otago B women's team, and I thought I'd made the big time then, yeah. uh, which means you get to train, you don't get to go anywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> I really love, I love learning. I just loved the the mates that I was was gaining through playing rugby, and then I got um, we had Sue Garden Bishop, who was a huge figure in Otago, and she had a vision to try and get more of us down south seen by the selectors and so we raised funds to go on a North Island tour and that's where many of our players like Melody Robinson, Analia Rush, myself, we all got seen when we went to the trials in Porirua. Cool. And and got named in the the team. First game against Australia, 1996 I think. Yeah, well 1995 I made the team but I didn't get on the field. we had one game. It was meant to be at uh, Eden Park, but because of the rain, it got deferred to another field, which was water waterlogged. So that was one game. I didn't play in that game. But then the next year, I made it as the starting hooker and got to play my first game in Australia. How'd that one go? Oh, just a blur, really. Um, I remember st- standing under the stadium waiting to go out of the tunnel, and there was a Māori guy there who did a haka for us. That was quite moving. And then I just remember standing there singing the national anthem, just pinching myself. I couldn't believe that I was there, and it was just all a bit of a blur. But we won, <laughs> so that was good. Pretty good team back there. I mean, 
there's that one, and then the following year you're up against England. This is not at the World Cup. This is just a, a one-off game, I think, and you guys won 67 nil. That must have made you feel like you were the best in the world. Yeah, well, I think we always love to have a grudge match against England, <laughs> and so um, playing against them was was a big deal, and to smash them by that much was yeah was a huge confidence booster for us. I think we felt like we had been, you know, hard done by not being able to go to the World Cup. So it was it was a point we were trying to make, and that was my first year as the captain as well in 1997. So it was a learning curve for me in that regard. And Wayne Smith was involved that year as well. In was he? Football. Yeah. Yeah, and he knew Laurie O'Reilly really well, so he he um, was involved in women's rugby before it was kind of trendy to be yeah. involved. Yeah. So, yeah. So did you have that 19... I'm talking to Dame Farrar Palmer, by the way. I don't know what... Uh, Dame must come before Professor. I don't think you say Professor Dame, do you? You just say Dame. Uh, I've been told that Dame goes with the name. So I think you can add Professor in there if you want to. I but, can. Okay, uh, well then. But no, no, it's all good. That's Prof- all good. Carry on. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to the thesis because I'm really interested in hearing about that one. But oh, no. was this was this 1998 <laughs> Rugby World Cup on your radar? Like when you were playing, you know, a year or two earlier, were you thinking, hey, this is we're all focused on getting to Amsterdam in 1998? I think to tell you the truth, we weren't sure what was happening year on year. Like we relied heavily on the NZR at the time agreeing to fund us and then agreeing to let us um, go to these things to set up some games for us. So I I really, you know, hats off to the coaches and the selectors and everyone else who did it for love, who kept it going. And um, I just felt really, really fortunate. So I just took it one year at a time and just tried to do what I could to stay in the team. But then when we started to realise that actually this is going to become a reality and we're going to go to a World Cup, then we really just ramped things up in terms of trainings. We did a lot of it off our own. You know, we had to pay for it ourselves. We would um, try and meet up in places. We would try and arrange games. We did a lot of things off our own bat. Well, take us to Amsterdam. <laughs> what was that Yeah, like? wow, what a place. <laughs> what a place to have a World Cup. Uh, yeah. I think it was in Amsterdam because they were meant to be hosting an earlier World Cup. So that was that was great. And it was a wonderful tournament. They had it all in one venue. So uh, my dad came along with me and he absolutely loved it. Uh, but it was a bit of a festival atmosphere rather than what you see, you know, all the bells and whistles you see now. And it was quite intimate. And I think we were the only team that really kind of, saw this as a as a high performance approach because we would be drink we had water bottles we were carrying water bottles around and not many other teams were we were <laughs> doing that kind of um you know after game make sure you eat something healthy and carbo loading kind of thing and no one else was doing that everyone was looking at us like we were weird yeah uh, and we would have intense trainings and, and all those kinds of things so we wanted to be professional that was kind of our catchphrase for that tournament what are the games that stand out to you well you always loved the the first game even it was against germany um and you know germany's not known for being a rugby nation but these women had made the effort like all of us to get there and we we won 134 
six, I think. We were annoyed that we gave away some um, points through <laughs> penalties. Uh, but Germany was so excited. I think their team did cartwheels and flip-flaps and stuff back to halfway. <laughs> they were super excited that they yeah. scored against us and we were annoyed. So there was that game. The Scotland game was probably um, a good game for us, uh, but we won that 76-0. You know, you mentioned a few names there. Like, we have Vanessa Coates, and nobody had seen someone like Vanessa Coates, and she would just run around everybody. And then we had, um, you know, wingers that were doing things that no one had seen before in women's rugby. We had Analia Rush, who was just kind of coming on the scene, who was just crashing through the middle. Tammy Wilson at fullback. You know, we had these amazing, amazing players. So I think we were playing a style of rugby that they hadn't seen before. And so when you came up against England in the semi-final, did they put up more competition than they had a year or so earlier with that when you beat them 67-0? Well, yes, they did. Um, But we were all fired up. And I was sharing before that, I think our coach, Daryl Suasuas, kind of gave us some fake news and he told us um, something that the English had said in a newspaper about yeah. us, rather derogatory, and True. and he had it on a piece of paper. So we, we put it up on the wall and that just fired everybody up. So the trainings all that week, we were just all fired up about we're going to show England. And so we won that game 44-11, I think it was, in the semis. But afterwards, some one of our players took the piece of paper up to one of their players and said, that'll teach you to say this in the newspaper about us. And they said, we didn't even say that. <laughs> was that typical of your coach? I think so. I think Daryl was definitely someone who really knew how to push our buttons. He, um, he worked hard to try and take women's rugby in New Zealand from one level to the next, you know, adding to that legacy. Uh, and, you know, he was pretty strict on us. We weren't allowed to have any any junk food or anything like that. So people would be sneaking scorched almonds and he'd tell us we'd, we'd be allowed one treat and everybody's definition of one treat would vary from um, <laughs> a happy meal to just one chocolate. <laughs> so it was just... I, th- I could see what he was trying to do. He was just trying to change our mindset into being a high-performance professional uh, environment and team. Yeah. You were staying at the same hotel as the Welsh team. Uh, how did you get on with them? Yeah, well, initially we we you know gave each other the evils and the uh, as we were passing each other in the foyer because we weren't sure whether we might meet them. But I think uh, quite early on in the tournament we realised they weren't going to be a threat to us. So then we started to relax and kind of interact a bit more. Um, one day we came home, we actually had a mascot and it was one of those Kiwis you buy at a tourist shop that you turn inside out and it becomes a rugby ball. Don't know if you've ever seen yeah, them. Yeah, in yeah, tourist yeah. So we bought one of those as our, um, you know, our thing that we had that came on tour with us and we put long eyelashes on it and we nicknamed it Shiwi. Now we nicknamed it Shiwi before Shiwi was a thing. So it's not the other type of shiwi, if you know what I'm talking about. I do, I do, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's just the name of of our kiwi. And uh, she was our mascot. And one day we came home from training and she was missing and there was a a 
a tape, like a video cassette. This is how old I am. And it was, it said, play this at a team meeting. So that night we had a team meeting. We put it in the machine and there on the screen was Shiwi, our mascot, taped to a chair. There were two women fully dressed in black with black balaclavas with torches <laughs> and they were interrogating uh, the Kiwi. They had Welsh accents and they said, tell us the New Zealand secrets or, um, you know, tell us what they are. Of course, she was loyal. She didn't. <laughs> and they, um, they said, give us one black jersey or the Kiwi gets it. And that was the end of the tape. <laughs> uh, so uh, we all cracked up laughing and then we said, no, we're not giving them black jersey. Uh, so a couple of days passed. Uh, we just carried on as normal. And then we said, oh, in New Zealand, we usually do like a porphyry. We welcome each other. We do a bit of whanaungatanga. Would you guys like to come along? And they said, sure. So we arranged this. We told them they had to take their shoes off before they came into the room. They all took their shoes off. While they were in there going through the porphyry, we stole all their shoes. So we stole all of their running shoes, they, um, their sports shoes, and when they came out, they were all gone. And we said, you don't get your shoes back till we get Shiwi. <laughs> so <laughs> there was a bit of a standoff. Amazing. And they were training, training in their um, street shoes and refusing to give us back our Kiwi, and then in the end, I think the coaches had to get together and say, this is ridiculous, Jeez. we need to stop that. So we signed a treaty and we had an exchange. <laughs> the Seawee Treaty. <laughs> so, yeah, we signed a treaty and um, didn't exchange a neutral territory and just um, gave them back their shoes and we got we got Seawee back. That's cool. You never played yeah, Wales, so, otherwise that would have been a real grudge match out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been. It would have been. <laughs> um, by the way, and we'll get to the final against the USA, but uh, I'm trying to remember 1998 in New Zealand. Was this on the radar of New Zealanders? Were you receiving support from back home? We we actually were, and it's because the All Blacks were not doing so well. So this was the era of Tane Randall, and I remember that they were getting a lot of flack in the news about their um, slump and form. And because of that, um, I think the Holmes show kind of did a, a interview, live interview with myself and a couple of the other players, and we got a lot of attention from back home and and we were doing really well like we were beating teams by big mar uh, margins and this is in the day of faxes so we would come back from training and there'd be uh, piles of faxes uh. of people back in New Zealand sending us well wishes and saying how proud they were of us and it was really cool and I think we made the hotel run out of fax paper awesome so we just had so many faxes and we just put them up on our team room and everyone would take the time to read it. You know, this is a team, we'd been in the shadows for so long and here we realised, oh my gosh, people back in New Zealand know about us and and are, and are really behind us. So that was really cool. Tell me about the final. I'm talking to Dame Farah Palmer about the 1998 Rugby World Cup uh, for women's rugby. Tell me about the final against the US. Yeah, well, um, the USA had always been known as a, a big hitter in women's rugby. I don't know. I think we were just on a roll and we had, you know, no one had really threatened us. So we won that game 44 off and 
we had probably played our big game against England because we were so fired up about what we thought they said about us in the paper that the USA game was 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 amazing. You know, it was a it was a final, but it just felt like the icing on the cake, and we just felt really really elated that we'd won the first sanctioned rugby world cup. Yeah, and you remember the cup itself. Yes, I do. Um, so they brought it out and they put it on the table and it fell it fell off its plastic kind of stand straight away and dented on the table. Uh, <laughs> so I think they may have just bought it from a trophy shop. <laughs> oh, gosh. Smash, and yeah. it didn't sit on its plastic kind of base very well. So um, when they gave it to me, I think I had to hold the bottom and, and everyone wanted me to kiss the cup. So they don't think they've... Might still be some photos around of me kissing that cup. Yeah. Um, but it was just a cool moment. Great. And then you give it over to your team and everyone celebrates um, winning winning this amazing opportunity to be the top of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So crappy really cup, cool. but you got to start somewhere, right? <laughs> yeah. And they've since, um, I think they've got a replica of it, which is much sturdier. And I'll tell you another story about that cup. Uh, yeah. After when we come back from the World Cup, they gave it to myself and Analia Rush to uh, to get in a helicopter and go into the middle of Carisbrook and show everybody the cup. So this is soon after the World Cup. So we did that and we went round and everyone was cheering. They were there for an All Blacks game. And then nobody took it off us again. So we um, we went and sat in the stadium with it. And then afterwards we said, hey, does everyone want to come around? We're having a party and we've got the World Cup here. <laughs> so, we, <laughs> so we kept the cup for... For a night or two, and let's just say when they got it back, it had a few more dents in it. <laughs> no doubt. Wow. And that really set up the Black Ferns, right? It was an incredible record after that and and launched women's rugby to a, to a general audience in New Zealand, fair to say? Yes, I would say that's the first time we actually got a bit of sunlight. And I know that we were often, you know, and I don't want to diminish all of the effort of all of those players that came before 1998 because it was because of them that we got that opportunity to go to that World Cup in 1998. You know, there were players in the 1991 festival that were could have made the team if it had been resourced properly and if they'd gone to the 94 World Cup, you know, that would have been a win as well probably for New Zealand. So I think we were just, I was fortunate as were many of those players in the late 90s to be a part of the team when it finally got some sunlight. Leaping forward to the most recent Rugby World Cup here, you deliver the pitch that brought it to New Zealand and um, were you pleased with how it went? You must have been. Oh, yeah, it was an honour to be asked to be part of that, the pitching team. It was myself and Mark Robinson. So, um, you know, I think at the time I didn't realise how big a deal it was and they had a speech that they'd written, but I've kind of tweaked it a little bit. And then we had practice after practice. Oh, my gosh, I felt like I was in a World Cup again. <laughs> I would I'd do my pitching. Oh, that was pretty good. And Robbo and I would give each other a high five, and then they say, "No, do it again." <laughs> you went holding your hands right. Yeah, you need to be a little bit more emphasis on this point. So by the time we got into the the rugby council room, and I walked in there, and I just went wowzers. You know, it was predominantly men. 
um, from their kind of national unions that there were women in there. Deb Robinson was in there, so I think I fixated on her during my whole pitch. But I started off with the haka because I thought, I'm so nervous, I need to do something to ground me. So I did the Black Ferns haka that um, Fetu Tupuwai um, composed for us. Uh, and that just blew them away, I think, because I was full of so much passion. And I, and I was passionate. It wasn't just a pretend. And I think I may have taken my shoes off just to kind of connect to the whenua and did that. Everyone went quiet, and then I my heart rate kind of slowed right down, and I did my pitch, and Robbo uh, followed me. So, yeah, yeah, amazing. I felt like I had won another World Cup because mm. it was such an honour to be able to say that we were going to bring the World Cup back to New Zealand. I never, ever thought that would happen. And it couldn't have gone better, right, from a tournament perspective and from the perspective of New Zealand rugby. Yeah, um, you know, we know New Zealanders, we, we're a bit kind of, oh, yeah, maybe, yeah, I'll think about it. And so right, we had a great organising committee uh, led by Dame Julie Christie. Uh, we had an excellent uh, uh, tournament manager with Michelle Hooper. And the positivity of the organising committee and Michelle was just um, infectious. They were like, we can do this. We can get New Zealanders to to support women's rugby. We can make this uh, an amazing tournament. And I think it was Dame Julie Christie who had the vision of selling out the opening match. And we were like, that's not going to happen. But she was just um, so convinced and so uh, driven to do that. So, yeah, it was an amazing, amazing tournament. Great outcome for the Black Ferns, but also just to see all of those New Zealanders and lots of women and, and children coming to watch the game. Where to now for women's rugby, here and internationally? Well, I think we've just got to keep up the momentum. And I think what I had noticed prior in the three World Cups that I'd been to, we would have a surge of interest just after the World Cup and then it would peter out again. So I think, uh, you know, it's our mission to try and keep that momentum going. And we've been so fortunate that we've had three amazing uh, World Cup events here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. And you know, everything that Sport New Zealand's doing to promote women and girls in sports. So I think we've just got to keep that wave going and 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 just demonstrate that, you know, come along and support these teams, support these athletes, and you won't be disappointed because it's entertaining, it's high performance, it's skillful. What about the men's game? What's going on there? Yes, well, <laughs> it's a... That's way more complex, I think, in terms of how they're going. Of course, I went over for their opening game and, uh, oh, my gosh, the French crowd. You could just feel the passion. It was kind of like a, a wave of noise coming at you. So uh, it's a, the cauldron that you're in in that environment. There's lots going on in the men's game. We've got complexities and demands that at the provincial union, the super rugby level, and then our teams in black. So, yeah, it's it's a challenge. But, uh, hey, I'm up for a challenge. As for, a uh, can member. we win it? Can we win it? Uh, look, if we can do well in these and get some confidence up in the um, pool games, I think we'll, we can win it. What a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much.
Thank you. That's been a real pleasure. As I said, I, I love talking about women's rugby and I've been so privileged to be a part of it. So thank you. Professor Dame Farah Palmer talking about captaining the team to victory, the Black Ferns to victory, at the 1998 Rugby World Cup for Women in Amsterdam.